Hello, it's David Shirley from Irish Funds. As people are increasingly opting for a working week which mixes both office and home in various proportions, today we bring you a podcast entitled The Modern Workplace, Corporate Culture in the Hybrid Environment. This is a panel discussion that was recorded live at the recent Irish Funds annual conference that was held in Dublin on the 31st of May. So the moderator you'll hear from is Anne Keyes from the panel and the panelists are Gronya Madden from GMJ Associates, Richard Grogan of Richard Grogan and Associates, Flavia Motte of BNP Paribas and Steve Blanche from Ergo. I hope you enjoy this and check back soon for more great content. Good afternoon and welcome uh, to our discussion. Today, uh, the discussion is on the modern workplace corporate culture in the hybrid environment. So I'm Anne Keyes and I'm joint managing partner of an Irish-owned recruitment firm called The Panel and co-chair of 100 Women in Finance. So I'm delighted that I have an expert panel of guests here today to talk on the topic. I'm going to do very brief introductions. So on my left-hand side, I have Gronia Madden. So Gronia is an expert in business ethics and corporate responsibility. She owns her own firm called GMJ Associates for the last 18 years and she works with organisations on their corporate culture, focusing on high performance, ethical practice and good governance. She lectures to MBA students, I believe some of them are in the audience, on corporate responsibility and is a partner in good corporate culture. So welcome, Gronia. Our next panelist is Steve Blanche, and Steve, as Connie stepped in at short notice, he is um, he is a chief technical officer in Ergo. He has over 30 years experience in the IT industry and in his current role, he manages and is responsible for growth in digital transformation, cloud adoption and ICT technologies. So welcome, Steve. Our next panelist is Flavie Moat. And Flavie has over 20 years experience in senior HR roles, mainly with BNP Paribas, based in uh, Paris and in Dublin. Um, in, over the last, since 2017, she took over as territorial head of HR in Ireland and has been driving HR transformation, um, mainly in the areas of value, uh, values, branding, and employee benefits. Um, so from the 1st of July, Flavie takes on a new role as Chief HR Officer for BNP Paribas Canada, and she joins the local HR American leadership team. So congratulations and best of luck with your new role as well, Flavie. Our final panelist is Richard Grogan. So Richard is principal of Richard Grogan and Associates Solicitors, and they are a boutique employment law firm specialising in employment law and personal injury. So Richard and the firm have won many legal awards. More recently has been ranked as one of the best law firms in Ireland by the Sunday Independent. So Richard is a regular contributor on national radio television, sorry, on radio and television on employment law issues. And more recently he's become a TikTok sensation. Um, he, uh, if you haven't watched his videos, I'd recommend that you do. So he gives bite-sized advice um, on uh, employment issues. And he has a catchphrase now, which is very famous. Would you like to say it, Richard? Oh, that's the law. That's the fact. <laughs> fact. <laughs> so thank you very much and uh, welcome. So I'd just like to remind you that we have, we will be having a Slido polls running uh, during our session. And if you'd like to put any questions to our audience, please do so via Slido. Um, just a very brief introduction on the topic itself. So obviously the pandemic has changed the workforce in ways few of us could have imagined. For some people, this has been the answer that they've been looking for. You know, more control of their working life, much more of a work-life balance, and also um, 
a lot more flexibility and less of a commute. But for a lot of others, particularly business leaders, um, there's a real concern about um, the impact of hybrid working on corporate culture. Um, so most of us are finding it quite a challenge. Um, how do we, you know, we're getting to grips with hybrid working, you know, who, who comes into the office, what days, what are the legal, legal implications of hybrid working? And it just seems, even from talking to uh, a lot of the uh, participants and uh, guests today, I think still we're grappling with the topic. Um, so the big question is, what impact will a permanent hybrid model have on corporate culture? Gronia, I'd like to go to you first. Okay. So what have we learned from COVID about the importance of corporate culture in the workplace? And what are the things we want to keep from the COVID experience going forward? Mm. Well, I mean, what an experiment, you know? We're all guinea pigs, aren't we, in this huge, huge experiment? And one of the things that really struck me at the very beginning of the pandemic was that the, the workplaces that had strong, cohesive cultures were the ones who found it easier to pivot into this sudden remote working and had the ability to keep going much more effectively. Those without the strong, cohesive cultures, I think, really did struggle. Um, and I think for me, what I kept hearing were there were two kind of key themes that really struck me. And one of those was around communication. If you had that strong culture and there was that, I suppose, um, ability to communicate and inform people and keep people informed, that seemed to be one of the key differentiators, that if people felt they were getting the news, they were being told what was going on, that they weren't being kind of left sitting at home in their bedroom in the dark, you know, um, that they felt much more part of the organisation and were willing then to actually give that extra effort that was needed at the time. Um, so that, I think, is a really powerful thing, and that's a big learning that we need to maintain that communication. And actually, both it needs to go both ways. It's also not just about giving information. It's also about taking information from our employees and listening to them. Um, for me, the other really big learning, and I hope it was a learning for everybody else here, was um, kindness. I thought there was a real strong push for kindness in the workplace and empathy. And I'm seeing, and I hope again that people are seeing it, I'm seeing that lasting. And I think that's something that we really need to keep going. I found that people realised that not everyone had as easy a time as they did. And there was, there was a lot more um, effort to... The email said, I hope you're doing well, before it went into what I want you to do. And or I even think stay safe. And yeah, you know, there was, it, there was that, very, that big sense of we, we were in this together and we wanted to help each other out. And we realised that maybe some of us realised we were more lucky than others. And it, I think it, it gave that sense of kindness. So I hope that that does survive. Um, the kinds of, I suppose, worries I'm, I'm seeing coming from, from clients and, and talking generally to people, and I'm, I'm very interested to hear how Flavi's organisation is addressing some of these, is really around that, you know, how do you keep, how do you maintain a culture when you've got people not coming together, particularly the, the kind of the learning by observation that you know, we all learned about work was we looked to other people around us. We felt comfortable asking our peer a question. We watched what our boss was doing. We had those opportunities. And that, I think, is a huge potential lack that we need to work really hard to fill that gap. Um, and I'm also worried, I suppose, through um, hearing what people are talking about, hearing different generations talk, I'm worried about a generational split that I'm seeing, and maybe you'll tell me differently, I'm seeing some of the older people, like myself, are going, this is quite nice, I'm actually, I don't want to get into a crowded train in the morning. 
Um, but the younger ones, in many cases, are dying to get back into the office and want more of that social interaction. So do we end up having a kind of dual, you know, old age, uh, older age culture and a younger age culture in the workplace? I think that's dangerous. Mm. So... Can I bring in Flavie here, actually, as, you know, Flavie, you're the coalface, you know, um, head of HR in BNP Paribas, and I suppose you've been driving HR transformation, um, and not only that, but BNP Paribas have made some significant strategic decisions over COVID, namely in real estate. Um, so could you talk us through this and some of the initiatives that you've brought in that you feel enhance your corporate culture? Well, first of all, when uh, COVID appeared in March 2020, 98% of the bank uh, worked from home overnight. We were ready because we had already um, a, a remote working policy, but only for one day a week. And then uh, we had also the tools to work digitally, so we were ready. Um, but definitely that was a very uh, a change of mindset because the bank was ready to do a lot of um, transformation, but we planned to do it maybe in several years. So uh, it was a positive crash test for us, I think. Um, and then, uh, talking about communication, our CEO, uh, Derek Kio, uh, really um, put an emphasis on the communication. We had, at the beginning, like two town halls per month, where we wanted people to get the information. First, that the bank was doing well, because the first reaction was like, how, how can, uh, can we survive in that new context? So we were really talking about what we were doing, and he asked also the HR to be very close to our people, to do some random calls, to keep the link, to know how they were, um, to get some uh, also feedback about what they needed. So really, the communication, the link, uh, was the, the priorities. Then uh, we also focus on the mental health, uh, doing a lot of things online, like um, gym classes, a webinar on health and wellness, and all these kind of things. Um, trying also to get in touch with the parents who had, uh, you know, young kids and they had to juggle. So all of these things um, have definitely appeared. Uh, we had to focus on training for our uh, managers just to be uh, aware of how to handle all of these new things and new ways of working. So a lot of change, and it's true that on top of that, we decided to change of building, which, of course, as you know, in a real estate decision, um, you don't have 100% uh, people happy about it. So we had to prepare also for this big move. But in reality, I mean, we were three different buildings in central Dublin, and we put everyone under the same roof in Sandyford. So it was definitely south, and uh, that was a big change for the bank. Um, but the fact is, we have brand new offices. We have um, a lot of collaborative spaces. We have a canteen, um, and um, uh, we have flexible hours. So we've got the new ways of working. And at the end, today, what we offer to our employees is 50% um, ability to work from home. This is our new remote policy because, of course, we couldn't go out of that crisis uh, giving back exactly the same model as before. So um, that was the, why 50%. We will, you will ask, is just, it's a group position. It's not an island decision. Um, BNP Paribas is really keen on keeping his 
let's say it's DNA, which is like the belonging spirit, the collaborative mindset, the, the, you can still have that remotely, but we still found that uh, even if we, if we think short term, mm -hmm. Everyone wants to work uh, remotely à la carte. People would, would like 100%, others not working at all. But for the bank, it was really important to have a, like, a long-term vision and not to change. And I'm not saying that we won't change from 50% to 60%, but now we are testing, we are learning by doing, and we'll see how it goes. Um, but this is uh, definitely what we offered. And so far, so good. Because with the new building, um, uh, I mean, even if the return to the office was a bit uh, was a bit bumpy, um, uh, we can see that the feedback of our people coming to new office with a canteen, with uh, the ability to bond again with everything, the feedback is really positive, and everyone was really happy to see each other again. So finally, this crisis, the COVID, the new ways of working, for me, uh, met the bank. Um, accelerating its transformation at a very high level of pace and in a very positive way. And I so, suppose, yeah, which is very interesting, Flavie, because if you read any of the articles or any of the clips that Derek has done in terms of hybrid, BNP Barber certainly come across as someone, you know, as an organisation that's really embraced, that are really embracing hybrid. And maybe because you're going from three to one, yeah. um, you really needed to have a hybrid model because I'm not sure whether the office would fit everyone in at the same time. So, no. it, you know, so it actually works, I'm sure, for you as it did, as it's done for some of the organisations in Dublin that um, they're actually really promoting the hybrid working. But in terms of, like, do you find in, the, in a, you know, in a very hot market, which is what we're in at the moment, let's say, you know, it's a candidate-driven market. We've gone through the great resignation and we're still going through it, the great reshuffle. There's a real, you know, focus on purpose. Um, you, you know, you have to, I mean, you're under pressure to offer hybrid. And if you don't offer it, people will vote with their feet and join an organisation that actually that fits in better with their lives, let's say. Um, so, so even what I'm seeing day to day, organisations that are, you know, pushing for five days, um, you know, you know, individuals are going, well, actually, I quite like that flexibility I got mm. during the pandemic. And I don't want to let go of that. So I want a firm, you know, who has the values and culture that will give me that flexibility, that give me more family time. So you have to be very careful as an organisation. And I think a lot of the firms at the moment are afraid to come down too strict in terms mm. of work from home or, or even the hybrid model. And it's also... You know, they don't want a permanent model in case it has to change in 12 months' time. So, you know, there's lots of grey area here yeah. as well. I mean, what we'll do is actually might go to our first Slido poll. Thank you, Flavie. Um, just, uh, so do you think the hybrid working, do you think hybrid working will positively impact your corporate culture? So please take out your, your phones and uh, vote on that and let us know what you think because I think it really depends on the individual attempt, depends on the organisation and sometimes it depends on the level of the individual within the organisation. Um, so interesting, that'll kind of move along I think at the moment it's uh, 71% so that's good to see. Um, so that'll move along as I said. So I'm going to bring in um, Steve. Uh, so Steve, you, um, obviously, you're CTO in Ergo, um, and I know that Ergo have been have put this initiative together called Let's Make Hybrid Work. I saw a clip recently where you said hybrid is here to stay, right? It's a permanent yeah. 
feature within the uh, the working uh, working life now. So, um, can you talk us through how Ergo have been supporting clients on the next stage of their digital journey as they implement a hybrid working strategy? I'm hoping that you're going to have a lot of the answers for us, <laughs> Steve. From technology, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, we're a technology enabling organisation, and hybrid. Uh, so, so being forced to work remotely through COVID forced everybody into that situation where you had to work remotely, right? So it's not back to work, it's back to the office, I suppose, has become the hybrid uh, mantra, but everybody was forced to work remotely. So it really accelerated that digital adoption, uh, new technology in terms of, uh, as a Microsoft partner, Microsoft Teams, collaboration, data governance, uh, mobile and identity governance became much more, um, I suppose, prime uh, focus for all organizations because we had to enable everybody to access remotely. But then coming back to a hybrid um, platform, organizations have to make it attractive now for people to want to come into the office because, as we've said, you know, people are very comfortable with their work working remotely and a lot of people can see that oh, I can work remotely more, more effectively. But realistically, um, the office obviously has its advantages to come in and do certain sessions, whiteboarding sessions, conference room sessions, you know, meet people and greet people, which a lot of people still want to do. So that meant enabling things like um, conferencing rooms where you get a true equality for people within the conferencing room and those people who have to access remotely through a dial-in session, whatever. You don't want them to feel that they're not fully heard, that they need to be equally heard and seen, but realistically more heard um, than even seen in those uh, workshops that are hybrid workshops in conference rooms and so forth. So investing into that audio-visual equipment became, it has become key. Um, and, it, and it's critical <coughs> to get that right because if people are dialing in and uh, they can't be heard effectively or can't hear people in the room effectively and there are side conversations they're not party to, then it's not a collaborative, inclusive experience. So, so that investment in the audiovisual technology. Um, and that's an interesting one, Steve, because I'm sure we've all been in rooms where some of you are present and others are on the screen, let's yeah. say, and you have to be very conscious of not forgetting about the people on the screen, actually, you know, because you're talking to people across the table and then making sure that, as you said, involving those on the, on, on who are working remotely um, because that's their days yeah. to, to work remotely. Um, and then can I ask then as well, like... What are the tools? So we've all used Zoom and we've used Teams and, and WebEx, Starleaf. I mean, there's a whole range of different interactive technologies and applications, let's say. And some of us have our preferences. You know, some clients don't like Teams. You know, some others love Zoom. So I think everyone has had a preference. But without just certainly our industry and recruitment, it couldn't have happened. Like, we, we would have closed the doors if you couldn't have interactive uh, applications. So are there any new applications that you're or, or maybe ones that have enhanced over the last two years or even the last 12 months that really foster you know strong communication collaboration and, I'm sh and, and engagement and I'm sure that's that's changing updating all the time it is you're 100% right so teams obviously is a, is a has been a major enabler uh, like zoom and your application similar to it the Teams is not just an IM and you know, um, audio conferencing, uh, video conferencing application. It's very much about um, collaborative engagement. So aspects of Teams like uh, Viva Insights from Microsoft, for example, gives people the ability to open their Teams application but look at what's relevant to me today. How do I engage with 
um, someone else in the organisation who's got something relevant for me from a, from a work perspective. Um, as well as then, uh, the, obviously, a big focus on security, right? The hybrid work is complex, is more difficult, is more challenging. They're, they're the realities and it is costly. You have to invest in these services. Uh, you have to put the policies in place. So putting in that audiovisual, putting in um, enhanced authentication or authorization for individuals, managing mobile access and managing uh, identity on a far more uh, governance level, a far, far more uh, higher governance level than was previously um, developed and implemented by the organization. They're all critical now in a hybrid workforce. Um, but then also, as we discussed earlier, um, mindfulness and well-being of our staff has become front and center in, in these collaboration platforms because it has realistically been seen, and we've got the metrics to prove it, across all of our customers, where people did work longer hours and spent more time in front of that screen, uh, meeting and, and talking and emailing and IMing and so forth, um, which obviously isn't great uh, for someone's well-being and mindfulness. So we've seen then from services that Microsoft have injected into Microsoft Teams, um, uh, Viva Insights, where we're, you know, you're suggested take some focus time, take some breaks, mm. schedule it into your work week because you need that. You, know, you need that to stop burning out, to stop being overwhelmed uh, and working yourself to death, essentially. Maybe you should so, send me I actually get that every morning, you right. know, but I think I'd nearly need it to message me. <laughs> Just say, now you need to leave your screen, you've been here for too long, or, you know, because yeah. you read at the beginning but actually of the day and then you just get completely distracted by other by work you know by, by work uh, topics and different emails as well absolutely and you can tweak that software up and down in terms mm. of how much information it gives and how much you know uh, it prompts and so forth and encourages mm. people to take that time out and, and and start structuring their hybrid work more effectively but you also have to as we've seen we you also have to get the business and the managers in the business to enable hybrid work in a way that they set policies and guidelines. Mm. When should you come into the office? Like I said, they have to make the office more attractive. When should you come in? There's no point in coming in just to say, I spent two or three days in the office. Are your team associates going to be there? Have you, got, have you reserved the conferencing facilities or collaborative facilities within the office mm. to make that effective when you do come into the office? Um, but they're, they're, I suppose they're all of the, the new technologies the new and applications that we are seeing. And as we know, you have to be a technologist, whether you are trained or not. We've all become... <laughs> We've all had to become tech savvy because now you're at home with three different screens. You don't have a te te technical support sitting next to you, let's say, that you may have had in the office. Um, so you, you tend to have to kind of work your way around and feel your way around technology as well as obviously have, you know, the likes of Ergo assisting you with, with it as well. Um, can I go to the next slide? Oh, thank you very much, Steve. Um, so this is... Um, a very interesting uh, topic. How has your firm thought of the legal implications of the work from home hybrid model? So, um, you know, I think this. Uh, oh, that was very fast to go up to 100%. Um, <laughs> great. So, so 63% say, oh, it's gone down a little bit. Maybe no. You can, Richard, you'll be looking at that with uh, <laughs> very, a lot of interest. So, I think because we're grappling with, with the hybrid working, I mean, one of the things that really, I don't know whether people want to put their head under the sand about the legal implications of hybrid. We've had to do it, it was a necessity, but now we're moving back to a more normalized work environment uh, or more normalized environment, let's say, maybe not normal work environment. But the hybrid piece, um, 
so let me just before we go on to your question so I see it's is that right 37 yes. percent um, say that the, their firms have thought about the legal implications 37 have said maybe and actually 26 have said no okay so that leads me it's a good segue into you Richard right so um so from a legal perspective what are the challenges facing employers implementing a hybrid working model Right. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that I'm speaking to people who work in who would have worked in offices. But uh, one of the things I'm going to say to you is an awful lot of people will never work remotely. They can't work remotely. Impossible. Garda can't work remotely. Nurse can't work remotely. The cleaning person in your place can't work remotely, and the people that run your canteen can't work remotely. So there's a big load of areas where I have great fun. <laughs> because now I'm able to bring claims because I'm married, because I'm not married, because I'm uh, not Irish, because I'm Irish, that, I'm, that these equality claims are coming up because I'm excluded. This morning I got a phone call from a, uh, a company that I represent, their trucking company. Right? Two of their truck drivers have applied for office jobs because they do partly remote working. Now, they need the two truck drivers. Those two truck drivers are not getting into a truck next week unless they get the office job because they're qualified for it. And if they don't get the job, they'll sue them. Now, so this is the issue that's coming up. There's 30,000 people needed on construction sites. You can't work remotely on construction sites. Forget it. Mm. So that's the first problem. Second one is we've no legislation. Leo has come out and said, announced all of this. And then they brought out draft legislation. And then everybody went, this isn't going to work. This just cannot work because there's so many issues. I'll ask a question. I don't know how many people are going to be working, living in an apartment. On the health and safety checks that we've done, because you now have to do a health and safety check of the location where the person is working, right? we are finding that 80% of apartments do not qualify under health and safety to be a workplace. Secondly, most of the apartments have a covenant in them that says that you can't use them for business purposes. This has now become a business purposes and you may void the insurance. Now, the, the legislation we're seeing isn't turning around saying we're going to actually change that, the covenants. Now, the, I've got a client who was on to me and said he hopes that it happens because then he's going to put all his people, he's going to rent, he's going to buy an apartment block, put his people into it, right, and then convert it into a commercial building because it'll have got the, the exemption. So these are the challenges that are coming up. Richard, can I ask you just there, as you yes. mentioned, health and safety. So for some of the individuals in the audience, you know, they work in organisations with, you know, it could be anywhere from five people to, you know, a thousand people, you know. Um, so when it comes to health and safety, are you saying that you need to go and check every workstation of every employee? Or what are you advising uh, clients, particularly financial services, where we have a lot of data, you know, very sensitive data, you know, so from a health and safety perspective first, so what advice would you give our, our audience in terms, of, um, on, in terms of that point? I spoke at a conference last year for the, uh, for the, um, the civil service or the public service. And I'd say Pascal got a headache after when I turned around and said, everybody has to, you have to buy everybody a chair, a desk. Um, if you've got them on a laptop, they have to have a riser. They have to have a separate keypad. That's the absolute minimum. Oh, proper lighting, by the way, proper heating. Um, the, the, that's a huge issue. That's a huge cost to organisations, particularly if you have somebody working three days in the office, two days at home, or the other way around, or even just one day in the office. So that's 
Uh, that's a big cost. We're finding that coming in all the time, that companies have not actually looked mm. at the cost of doing it. And they say, oh, but, you know, you're working from home. Now, the GDPR, uh, now, by the way, the working from home one, I mean, my uh, person who worked with me who, who does the personal injury work is already rubbing her hands with Lee with the back injuries, the repetitive strains, because they're not properly set up. So, yes, you do. And the GDPR, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Go on, now, tell us. <laughs> I, what I want to say to you, what I want to say to you on that is, is there's about a three-year delay on getting the Rolls Royce, but I've ordered it at this stage. I'm going to retrain. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I will have two drivers because I have to have them working remotely. But the, the issue on G, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the issue on GDPR is very very simple. You have somebody working from home. And they're dealing with the, my finances. And you have somebody working in the same room as them who sees that screen and turns around and says, uh, by the way, you know that fellow on TikTok? Do you know what he earned last year? <laughs> or do you know what he, the endorsement money that he's getting? I've now got a circuit court claim down to the circuit court. Now... Set a cost in a case like that is going to be 30,000, 40,000 euro mm. because I'll be running in senior counsel for that kind of breach. You could, depending on it, be in the high court on the breach. So what I'm saying to you is nobody has looked at this. I mean, if we are dealing with somebody, one person per room locked. You get up, you walk out, you lock it. You cannot have it at a situation where somebody can look in a window and see your screen. If they can, it has to be moved the other way around. And that's the level there, because the GDPR... I have one case running at the moment. person went for lunch. She was working at home. She had her children there. Her husband also worked from home, but he was actually one day in the office. She went downstairs to make lunch, because there happened to be a company that we were very keen on making sure they complied with health and safety for taking our breaks. She didn't lock the room. Her six-year-old went in... His sister was watching on the laptop downstairs. He wanted to watch Netflix. He very carefully saved everything the mummy was save, working on. He sent it to 250 people. <clears throat> right? 250 people. And it was a set, a set of accounts for an individual who had a um, slight problem with the revenue. Yeah. I can see everyone's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you, you take it, you take it. That is absolutely waiting there. And any company that's doing this, and I saw the poll on it, 50% yet, 50, 37%, 37%, yes, 37%, maybe. For God's sake, you either do it or you don't do it. You know, at least the, at least the no's were honest. You know how I'm bothered about that. You are staring down a set of proceedings that if that goes out, if you disclose something like that because you haven't got the GDPR tied up, you won't have that happen in your office, much less chance of it happening in the office. Remote working, this is, you're walking around with a, with a, um, a grenade with the pin pulled out, right? But you've hurt, sprained your wrist a week ago and you haven't got that much strength. This thing is going to go off and... The reputational damage mm. on these cases is 
phenomenal. If you're in, if you're in financial services and it happens, and I arrive with, here's a set of proceedings. You don't want I, to meet you then. Well, sorry, I'll be coming with, with, with two wheelbarrows. Yeah. Because, uh, and by the way, that'll just be for me. They'll, you'll need the truck for my, because you cannot afford that case to go. So if you're going to be doing remote working, you have to tie down GDPR. And that's one person, if they're working at home, one person in a room, nobody else, and they are the only ones that have access to it. Yeah, so that's very interesting <coughs> in terms of, I mean, I think for, for when I listen to you in our prep sessions, I think, you know, you know, is your computer screen turned off when you leave your desk, let's say? You know, does it automatically switch off after 20 seconds? It should if it's not doing it. Yeah. I make a point uh, that I, I switch it off as soon as I leave my desk now, physically, before, rather than wait, rather than wait for the 20 or 30 leave. seconds in case any of my kids come back. <coughs> I mean, I think, you know, the health and safety, you know, and that's the challenge. You know, we've talked about the positive, we talked about the challenges for maybe from a, an employee perspective but then it's the legal implications from an employer perspective and obviously the duty of care there's a duty of care of wellness but there's a duty of care to your employees as well but I think you know what we don't want and what we're hoping in this session is that people are aware of what they need to do you know like is there a self-assessment that you can do let's say you know if you haven't done it now you know should you put one together a self-assessment health and safety you know and these are the the points that you need to go through GDPR you know I think some of the points are made about locking your room you know if a lot of people were sharing apartments you know and, and houses no. during yeah. during covid um and continue to do so so from what you're saying richard you're kind of going well you know no wonder a lot of the business leaders are calling everyone back to the office because it's so much easier you know to have everyone under one roof and have those procedures and policies together and even from a corporate culture perspective it has that collaboration and yeah. that connectivity from what you're saying is you yeah. won't get the employee you won't get the recruits they won't come and work for you so we've got this real yeah. conundrum now yeah so exactly. i'm so it's making me think actually listening to, to richard that you now have to look to create a culture that also thinks about health and safety and gdpr and i know we've all said that we've made that culture the last few years that we've worked on it but it's tough isn't it it's a really hard one to do and to do that then with rem people working remotely as well i think it's a really big 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 yeah well i'm looking forward to the next five years i'm looking forward to be very busy yeah. i mean look one of the issues that you have is you have got to take your existing work model that you've worked through on the pandemic. That's how you work. Mm. Throw that away and get out a piece of paper and work out how you're going to do it. And if you don't understand GDPR, you need to get advice. If you don't understand health and safety, mm. you, need to get, uh, you need to get advice. And you're going to have to make sometimes the hard decision. Are we going to take the risk of being sued? Or are we going to lose the, um, the employee? Now, what I'm going to say to you is, if it's a GDPR, if it's a health and safety risk, mm. well, you might be, you're, you're, you've got lots of money, you can cover the personal injury claim, you know. If it's a GDPR breach that you're running a risk, lose the employee, lose the employee, because your name will be dirt. Mm -hmm. Case runs in the High Court <coughs> that this information got out. Mm-hmm. And losing You're employee dead. is hard, like because as you say, we're in a candidate market. It's hard to uh, attract and retain talent. You know, even from Flavi's perspective, you know, the hybrid model is there a lot of the time from a real estate, but also to actually, you know, to keep staff. They've gone from 100% remote 
and it's very hard to say 100% office-based. You know, there is this phase in between. Now, I think just, uh, sorry, we're going to run our last poll and then we're just going to go, we're nearly running out of time here. Um, but uh, so the last poll we have, which kind of leads me into this, you know, would you actively start looking for a new role um, if you were asked uh, to do five days in the office? Um, so uh, that would be interesting to see. Um, and uh, then... I'm just looking also to see if we have any questions. Apologies, I have to go through my phone for that. Um, we have... Uh, OK, so I have one question here, so that I'm going to... And we'll look at the poll as well. Uh, so lots of com companies talk about culture without managing it. How should leaders develop culture? So can Ooh, I go to you, Gronia? Gosh, yeah, does yeah, it be? Well, I think that you've... Yeah, benign neglect is not an option because it's happening whether you do something about it or you don't do something about it. And if you don't do something about it, you risk going down the wrong route. Um, so I think it's, it's been in incredibly aware. Uh, one of the starting points for me always is that as an organisation, you actually clearly define what your values are, what's important to you. And for me, they're the hooks mm, for, yeah. for your culture because that that's saying what really matters. Now, I, I'm not talking about the nice poster on the wall that actually nobody remembers because they, they don't... It, it doesn't actually figure in the place at all I'm talking about the real things that really happen in terms of what's important in your workplace and actually define and talk about it and create behaviours and habits and policies and processes that all match with that yeah. that would be the starting point for me Flavie, would you just briefly, would you yeah, like to come And I that? really okay. do think that um, I think HR needs to work closely with uh, the business, actually, and to be aware, have a, uh, have a clear vision of what we want to put in place for the territory uh, altogether, I think. Mm -hmm. And once we have decided the vision, the values, everything, we have to have role models from the top. Mm -hmm. That yeah. needs to come from the top, top yeah. as well. Great. Mm -hmm. So looking at the poll, this is very interesting, obviously from the business that I'm in, um, it's very interesting and also very interesting for anyone who's hiring staff or retaining staff. So 61% of people in the audience said that they would look for a job if they were asked to work in the office full time. So as Steve has mentioned in his videos, hybrid looks as if it's here to stay. 29% uh, said no, so that's interesting. And then 11% said maybe. Um, so just as the final question, um, so uh, just briefly, a 10-second answer from each of you, if that's okay. So do you see hybrid working as an opportunity to reshape and enhance your culture? Or is hybrid working the biggest threat to corporate culture we've seen in decades? Richard, start with oh, you. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the it's, it's, it's the biggest. It's the biggest threat because there's a. There's, you've some, and they're going to be there. Some will be remote, remotely. Some will never be there, and that's going to cause the divide. That is something that HR really is going to have to work on. And I'm not sure that HR is going to solve the problem, which means <laughs> I get lots of litigation okay, for people being excluded. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Richard. Flavie? Well, very difficult to answer. Um, as, uh, as, uh, as Flavie, I would say it's a huge opportunity. As head of HR, I'm quite in the middle because I'm, I've got um, lawyers saying, be careful, be careful. Yeah. I've got my employees saying, let's go for it, let's go for it. So I'm just in the middle. Well, let's go for it. But Thank you, Flavie. I think I know what your answer is, but Steve, would you like to share? <laughs> Absolutely, it's an enabler. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it does open up organisations to develop their culture. The technology is there to enable hybrid work um, and to impose security controls in terms of uh, ensuring there's somebody at the laptop when, they, when, they're supposed, when it's not left unattended, uh, ensuring that they're properly authenticated and author authorised and so forth, and that the security controls are there. And if you can prove that you've put 
reasonable, adequate security <coughs> controls in place, that's a significant way to meeting your GDPR mm. compliance as well. So the technology exists to yeah. create your hybrid work culture. Great. And another thing that we haven't didn't get time to talk about is obviously it, it allows for a broadening of your talent workforce yeah, and where, where they're located. Yeah, massive. So, so mm. in a, in a in a let's say a hot candidate market, mm. it actually opens up where you can hire people from different locations. So Grony, you have the last word. I, I think it's it's both a threat and an opportunity. I think it's an opportunity if people choose to make it an opportunity. I think it's an amazing opportunity, but it needs to be actively managed. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much to my panellists of Gronia, Steve, Flavi and Richard, and thank you very much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs>